Um, my name is Hannah Emery. I am the, currently the general manager at the Dusty Bookshelf in Manhattan, Kansas. It's a new and used bookstore, so we've got a little bit of both and a coffee shop as well. So, yeah, that's kind of the gist of what I get to do day to day. How did you wind up working there? Did you go? It's in a college town. Did you do you go to the college? Yeah. Did you go to the college? How'd you wind up there? No, so I actually grew up here in Manhattan, Kansas, and I, when I graduated high school, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do with my life, so I didn't end up going to K-State or going to college at all, um, but I was working part-time at Dusty. I had applied there. They had a big old fire, um, and they were closed for two years, which was really devastating to our community, but um, when they reopened, I was like, oh my gosh, I have to get a part-time job there. That'd be so much fun, so I... <laughs> I started working part-time, um, and then after I graduated high school, they were looking for a new manager, and I had kind of stepped up towards, like, assistant managing and that sort of thing, um, but then they kind of realized, like, why not just promote the one that we already have, so I'm very young for a bookstore manager. I'm only 21 right now, um, but yeah, that's kind of how I gradually moved up to the position I'm in now, and I love it. Can I ask that timeline, so the fire and COVID and you're getting a job yeah. there. What is that? Did the fire happen before, during, after kind of COVID kicked off in March? How, what was, what did that look like the past couple of years? Yeah. So I can't remember the exact day that the fire happened or of the year. I think it was 2017 or around okay. then. Um, so it's been a, it's been a minute. Um, we've been reopened for three years after the fire. So they were closed for two fire happened closed for two. And then we've been open for three this April. So we're coming up on a three year anniversary. Um, and then, yeah, I started when they reopened in April of 2019. That's when I started working there. And then, of course, 2020 came around right after we had finally gotten our feet off the ground and started running with things. And then COVID hit and we were closed and all that sort of thing. So it's been a roller coaster for sure for the whole this whole area, honestly. I feel like some of the ways businesses were closed during COVID was sort of the political bent of the people who ran the state and also the feelings of the people in the community. I feel like because where you are, it's very, that area in general is in a, it's in a rural area, but it's a college town. So when it comes to masking and how long businesses were closed and what kind of rules they had, do you, does it feel like the dusty bookshelf with its community kind of leaned one way, which is let's open up as soon as possible, or was it the other way where let's be super safe, or was it somewhere in the middle? I would say we were somewhere in the middle. We did stay closed for a good amount of time. I don't know the exact like how long we were closed for, but we tried to just come up with new innovative ways to like keep our store running while yeah. we weren't actually allowing people in the space. So we did a lot of like curbside pickup. We did a lot of like virtual shopping. We would just kind of take people around the store on an iPad or something like that. Um, we did, we started doing mystery boxes at that time and shipping those out to people all over the United States and, um, just lots of that sort of stuff to keep us busy and keep us technically open. Like we had a staff in the store and I was able to stay on through the pandemic, which was a huge blessing. Um, but yeah, I think we were somewhere in the middle. We definitely tried to be as safe as we possibly could. And we just recently, our city was able to kind of get rid of masks a little bit. So we just recently kind of adapted to that as well. Was so this might, if this is all confidential or if you want to be general or sort of vague about it, I am curious when the store was closed, 
for COVID. And then you tried these innovative things like, hey, we can try to get people to buy boxes of books we pick for them. We could walk them virtually around the store. We could pick the books out for them and they could just drive by. We can bring them out to them. We could ship them to them. All those ways. Was that a massive sales hit compared to the door swinging or was it actually a surprisingly large percentage of normal sales? Um, it wasn't as, I mean, it wasn't as obviously as good as like having our doors actually open. Right. Um, we weren't able to like completely compensate for being closed. Um, and we were only able to have like a couple people on the staff at a time in the store. And so we had to cut down our hours. Um, and so I wouldn't say that it was like anything even close to what we were used to seeing in our sales. Um, but it was enough to get us through for sure. Okay. Was there a worry? I know, so a lot of businesses, so I talk, because of the kind of writing I usually do, I talked to a lot of veterinary hospitals and they were panicked for a short period of time because it sounded like they were gonna, all the businesses were gonna be closed in some states, but then they decided in many cases, practices were essential. They were, when COVID happened as in that position, that management role, were you panicked about, are we gonna have to lay everybody off? Does this mean we're gonna be closed for X amount? Or was that period of that could have been panicked so short and you started to come up with innovative ideas, it, you never worried about, we're gonna have to let everybody go. Yeah, I think there was, it kind of hit right before summer for us. I mean, okay. of course it was a couple months before then, but with it being a college town, like a lot of our students already go home that are on our staff. So I wasn't too worried about that right off the bat. And then it was really just, I was panicked and then I started to see how our city and our community was like coming up with all of these really cool ways to keep people in community. Mm -hmm. And then it really just became like an exciting thing. I know that's like a bad thing to say because of course <laughs> COVID is never an exciting thing. That was a terrible thing that happened to our world. But it, in some way it was a very like, I don't know, it was a very building each other's up, each other up and just kind of it was really cool to see people come together in that way in lots of different and unique and creative ways. So that kind of kept me from being like, oh my God, the world is ending. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I kind of just started thinking of new ways that we could make our space welcoming even without being able to have people in our space. So you mentioned a, a little bit of how you went to work there. Would you call yourself, when you when you thought you personally wanted to work at the Dusty Bookshelf, you wanted to work at this used and new bookstore in town, what was it about it that attracted you? And do you feel like you are the typical kind of person who buys things at Dusty Bookshelf? Or do you think you're not? Um, I would say so. We do attract a bit of a varied crowd because we are in a college town. So of course we kind of try to cater with our book selection. We try to cater to that sort of crowd, like the younger college yeah. students. So in that way, I would say that I am part of the pretty typical demographic. But we also, the Dusty Bookshelf has been around since 1985. And so it's become kind of like a community pillar, like lots of the older generation here knows about it. And so it's really fun to have this older crowd that went to college here and they're coming back to visit and they're like, I remember shopping for books for forever and back in my college days, whatever, like 30 years ago. So it's, it's a, a little bit of everybody. And do you feel like uh, we were talking about a, a little bit in the beginning about, you know, I, I've tried to reach out for interviews to people who work at, who manage, who own used bookstores, and they sort of shy from the limelight. I mean, this your standard, it's kind of the stereotype of a librarian or someone who opens a comic book store or someone who opens a bookstore. They, they might tend to be a little more solitary, a little more into reading than talking to people. Do you feel like as a manager there, 
how, what's, what does the mix feel like in your customers and what does the mix feel like in your staffing? Oh, that's a great question. Um, I would say we have a pretty solid mix in our staffing at least. Um, I think we have a couple, we have a good balance of people that are very extroverted and very much want to be like, Oh my gosh, welcome. I have so many cool books for you and I want to make you coffee and I want to talk to you about your day and get to know you. And then we also have people that are like, definitely just they're focused on the books and they want to make sure that people get the right books in their hands. And it's not all about a conversation and all that sort of thing. Um, which I think it's good to have a mix of both. And I think that it's the same in the people that we see coming through the store, probably a lot more on the introverted side for sure than a lot of other retail uh, storefronts in the area. Is there, this is, this is kind of a, a financial question. You know, uh, your store has new books, um, used books and offers coffee in the cafe is one of those that triad of businesses. There is one of them, the, the big leader and the other ones are kind of like lost leaders or extras that feed the other one. Like are new books, the biggest are used books, the biggest is that cafe now just bringing in so much money. It's kind of stands on its own. Um, the most of our sales do still come from the used books because that is what that's our main thing. And then the others are just kind of added benefits that I don't know. Now it's kind of a package deal. Um, now that we've been doing this for three years with everything before the fire, it was just a used bookstore. So the whole new books and coffee, that's a very new thing to Dusty. So, um, but used books are still like the pillar of what the Dusty bookshelf is. Is so thinking about, I mean, I was mostly curious. I, yeah, what I knew most about Dusty Bookshelf, I know about the one in Lawrence. And that is, I think maybe that one has some new, but again, just like yours, primarily used books. What is right? It like, what is it like to manage inventory on used books? I always wonder looking at, you see people bring in boxes of crap to use bookstores sometimes. You see people bring in really primo stuff. What is it like buying books off people? And what is it like trying to keep that inventory rotating regularly? Yeah. Oh, it's a very interesting world. Um, <laughs> it's it's completely unpredictable, which is the hardest thing, I think, um, because it really fluctuates based on the time of year, how many books we're getting in. Okay. So there will be, um, excuse me, there will be times in the year, I would say like probably winter is honestly the, the hardest time for us, which I suppose makes sense. but. Uh, for us to get used books in. Um, when things really slow down, obviously you start to see that on the shelves. And so people are like, why don't you guys have any books in? I've come in like for the last three days and I haven't found anything new. And it's just, we rely so heavily on people's donations and people's, we do a book trading system so people yeah. can bring in books for store credit or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the summer, of course, or when people are doing their spring cleaning. So like right now, we are overrun with books and we can't possibly fit them all on our shelves and we don't know what to do with all of them. And we have to find creative ways to get rid of them um, without throwing them away, of course. Um, so it just fluctuates so much. And it's like a really a weird balance for sure. What do you do? So being in a college town, you mentioned that summer cleanup, like a lot of people either are finished with their textbooks at the end of the year. Do you do a trade in textbooks or are those becoming less as people get in digital versions or they're just so expensive or so weird you don't even bother? We do not do textbooks at all just because it's such a niche thing. Like the only very specific people are going to come looking for that specific textbook. And it's just hard. It's really hard in a college town that's this big or the college itself is this big. Like it's we just kind of avoid that area completely. So we okay. just say no textbooks, 
only just novels and, and that sort of typical thing. Do you get, so having that, you know, there, there's locals and there's people there for the college and I expect some of their reading or interests would be widely different because some people are studying and so they may be reading a different thing than they normally read for the two or three or four or five or six years. And you have other people who are just the locals who are just reading whatever they read. Are those two things like, do they, do those streams of books that come in and out, do they feel completely different or you, people would be surprised that the college kids are pretty much reading the same stuff that the local, local 20 somethings are reading? Huh. I think that they're, I think that they're fairly different. I think that there's a lot of, um, there's a couple like Reese's book club and Oprah's book club and that sort of thing. That's what uh -huh. the people that that's what younger people are typically looking for. And of course there's some older people mixed in, but I think that there's definitely the older generation have their authors that they know that they love and that's what they come looking for. And a lot of the people in this town, they love their Westerns and they love their older romance novels. Um, and so they know where those sections are. They go straight for them. They go for the sci-fi fantasy. Um, that's more of what the older generation, I think they're looking for more of the classic authors that they know that they love and have big long series that they can yeah. read. And I don't think that a lot of the college students here kind of have that same desire. I wanted to, so uh, Dusty Bookshelf has been around since 1985. So 15, 37, that's a long time. And I feel like most used bookstores, I go to so many and they're very, um, I, I, I can, I have I, part, part of my curiosity. I've never been able to ask how much of the curation in a bookstore. I have the feeling with a successful one, like dusty bookshelf, it isn't just about the people's interest who run the store. It's really about trying to serve the community, but I feel like there's also a bit of a chicken and the egg thing where if the people who opened up dusty bookshelf if there are books they loved maybe those are the ones they lean toward and that meant the clientele comes do you have any feel for how much of what's in your store feels like it's curated by the people who work and own it and how much of it is just this is what the people want so this is what we put on our shelves yeah i would say i would say most of it is being curated for the people that are shopping Okay. Um, but of course, we all are book lovers. Everyone that works here, all of our, me and my other book buyer, we love books. And so, of course, we have a tendency as humans to just kind of shop for ourselves a little bit as we're shopping for the store. And I know I am guilty of that. As I buy new books online, I'm like, oh, this is cute. I would put this on my bookshelf at home. I think maybe I'll buy it for the store. Um, so there is a little bit of that. And I know that our owners are very, they're very outdoorsy people. Um, camping is a big thing. And so that kind of book is something that I have always been told, like definitely buy those ones. If you see them come in, always take those for the shelves. So there is a little bit of that. There's sections that, and there's the general vibe of the store has kind of been curated by the people who own and run it. Yeah. Um, but then as we've learned what our, what our customers are into, we've kind of switched that a little bit around to curate that. What is it like? So as a book buyer, I remember this uh, working with working in a library and seeing the people who would kind of they would do the same thing. They would try to pick some things that they knew people would want and other things like I love this and I would hope people love this, but I don't know. Let's experiment. Was that is that ever is that always fun for you to do as a book buyer or have you ever been frustrated where you're like, I'm picking these books and I thought people would love them and nobody bought it? Yes, there have been a lot of times like that, especially I do all of the new book ordering. So I'm mm. like, there are times that I put in an order for a lot of really cool books that I think are just so exciting. Yeah. And then I see them like sit on the tables for <laughs> just forever. 
Um, and then I'm like, why is no one buying these? They're so cool. There's such interesting topics. And then I have to remind myself, like, I am my own person. And of course, I can't speak for all of these other people. Um, so yeah, there is a lot of that. It's there's sometimes that I catch myself being like, what is wrong with these people? These are so cool. <laughs> Do you ever did that time? So your time managing did you kind of start out very personal about the kind of books you were looking for? And then whatever input you were given when you started, like we always look for these books and we always look for that book. So as you buy these books, buy these kinds of books, have you leaned more toward now you feel more, I kind of know what the books that are going to hit with these people are and I can lean that way. Or does it still kind of feel sort of crazy and unpredictable? Uh, a little bit of both, but I would okay. say that it really helped me to be I started out as just a sales associate. So I was like up running the register and okay. checking everybody out. So I saw a lot of that firsthand, like what people were buying and what people were looking for. Cause I was helping people check the shelves for things. Um, and so I think that really helped having that year of experience with just being on the front lines, then switch to ordering books for these people or buying used books for these people. Like I kind of know what goes quickly, what flies quickly off of our shelves. So it is, at times it's easy to predict, but things fluctuate like crazy. So there are times that it just still shocks me. And I've of course been doing this for a couple of years now and it's still very surprising the things that sell and don't sell every once in a while. Why was, are you, were you, are you, were you an avid reader? Like you're reading all the time. Why was the dusty bookshelf like a really appealing place as you grew up there to think I'd really want to work there? Yeah, um, I, my parents always, really instilled a love of reading in me, which I think is such a cool thing. Um, and I'm so thankful for that. So as a kid, I was an avid reader, of course. I've, as I've gotten a little bit older, I have less time, which is ironic because this job <laughs> means that I have less time to read. And <laughs> so I'm seeing all of these really cool books come through and I wish that I had time to read them, but I just don't. Um, but I think originally the appeal of it was just like, I remember this place from being a kid. Um, my parents brought me here all the time when I was younger. So it's been like really cool to watch it become this new store. It's almost unrecognizable after the fire because they remodeled it. Um, but it's just, it still has the same vibe as when I was little, like looking through the children's books section. So it's very nostalgic. And that's kind of what made me want to apply in the first place. Was there a way in which when you looked at that, you were always on the outside looking in and you loved it as a customer? Was there anything about peeking behind the curtain that you remember that was like, oh, I had no idea it was like this? Or it, was there anything that like blew your mind when you were the one responsible for buying the books, serving the customers, working the bookstore instead of like coming in leisurely browsing? Oh, yeah. It's a whole different world. Like, you mean like being a shopper versus, versus being behind yes, the scenes? Like, did it, was it, you're asking? Was it all super interesting or was it also kind of like, oh, it takes the shine off. It's like looking behind the Wizard of Oz's curtain and like, oh, it's uh -huh. just <laughs> it's so regular. <laughs> there was a little bit of both, I think. I okay. think that at the beginning, it's very exciting to learn all of these because I'm very interested in like the numbers of everything and like mm -hmm. um, how much we would buy a typical book for and like cost of goods and all that boring stuff. Like I was super into it and super excited to learn it. And then the more that I got the hang of it, I was like, this becomes a little monotonous after a while. But there is the fact that the books are always new. Like you're always looking at something new every day. So that keeps it very interesting for sure. The inventory. I, I did wonder about, well, and I did, I had a kind of tangent question, that inventory thing when I asked about it. 
how do how do you in general how does used inventory get rotated? I, I have arguments with my friend or discussions. You go to some used bookstores, and it you can tell the person who runs it doesn't like to sort their inventory. Our uh-huh. thing was like, hey, if this book has been sitting here, if you price this book at twenty five dollars and it's been sitting here for six months or nine months or a year, you ought to lower the price or get rid of it. It's not selling. Exactly. Most places yeah. don't properly price. What kind of overall philosophy do you use and use book selling to make sure those things don't sit too long and they move on? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so we have a funky little system where all of our used books, we price them on we price them on the inside of the book. So we just pencil in the price. And then we sure. also add, oh, this is kind of boring information, but we also have like a letter system. So we put um, every six months, the letter changes. So every book that is in that six month period will be marked with the letter A. And then after six months, we switch it to the letter B. Um, And so every once in a while, we can go through the shelves and be like, that looks like it's been, I've seen it on the shelves for a really long time. And if we pull it out and we're on the letter like F, which is what we're on right now, and we see that it has a letter A, that's a good sign that it needs to go into our bargain section, which we have our whole upstairs is our bargain area. So everything gets priced down and thrown up there. and that's, that's kind of a fun area too, because it's like a little treasure hunt for people because there's a little bit of everything up there. Um, but we do try to keep it rotating. It is just a big feat to keep inventory um, rotating when you have such a big store. Is that shelf checking a fun thing or does that is that one of the things that over time became, maybe it used to be fun, but now it's just a tedious thing having to check the inside? It's mostly a tedious thing. And I'm going to be honest, it's not something that we have like a schedule for or that we do all that regularly. It's more of just like a, oh, I, I remember that this book has been here forever. Maybe I'll check it. It's just kind of a gotcha. uh, feeling thing. So we're not as good at that as we probably should be. Um, but our, our inventory does rotate pretty well. So it's not something that I'm usually too worried about because we want to keep our shelves full anyways. So if a book's been there for like a year or so, I know that it's probably time to take it upstairs, but if the section is completely empty, I want to keep at least something on the shelves. So does that make any sense? Yes, it makes perfect sense. Um, Yeah. What is, um, what is your, who do you regard as your competition? I'm curious because I've spent, so I was born in 75. I grew up in the eighties going to small local bookstores and then B Dalton. And I forget there was another one that would be in stores well before Barnes and Noble ever came. Barnes and Noble kind of came in and killed a lot of stuff. And then online came and killed stuff. And people for many years were always saying the book's going to be gone. The book's going to be gone. And it doesn't seem like the books. I don't think the book's ever going to be gone. Right. Is, but it is used bookstores and new bookstores independence. That is a very competitive field. So do you have, does it, does it feel competitive there or have, has the business been there so long? You don't feel like you're fighting with any other local booksellers or you don't feel like you're fighting with online. Where's the competition for you in, in your thinking? Mm. Um, I mean, because we are the only used bookstore in town. So oh, wow, okay. I don't, yeah, I don't really feel a lot of competition there. There definitely used to be a lot more bookstores um, before I was working here. So I've mm-hmm. heard stories of there being lots more competition. But now that we're kind of like the longest standing bookstore, everybody knows about this store. If you've been in Manhattan, you know about this store. Um, and so I don't feel a lot of competition locally. If I were to say on the whole, obviously, Amazon is probably our biggest competitor. Like so many people can get their books for so much cheaper on yeah. Amazon because they have all of their sneaky ways of making their prices so cheap. Right. Um, and so people will be like 
see our new, brand new books on the table and be like, oh, I could get this for like $15 cheaper on Amazon. Um, but there are still those people that are like their values lie in shopping local. And those are the people who I love the most. <laughs> 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 those are my favorite type of customers. That's interesting. I hadn't, so the Dusty, I mean, a college town, that's the only used bookstore there. What else is there? Is there a Barnes and Noble in town? What else is there? We have, there's a Books a Million in the mall. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is all that we've got. It's okay. these two places. As far as I know, those are the only two places in town. It was interesting. We have a lot in the Kansas City metro area. We have a lot of half price books and there are certain places in the country mm-hmm. where there are a lot of these chains. I really dig them, but it was interesting to see 30 minutes away in Lawrence, the college town for KU, half price books put a location in there. And I don't think it lasted five years, which oh, is really? weird. like it's a college town. It's only 30 minutes outside of the Kansas City metro area. So for whatever reason, it didn't do enough business or it didn't. So, it, yeah, it just got me thinking, man, it still is competitive. Huh. So, yeah, that's really interesting. And I know Lawrence has very good used bookstores as well. Of course, they have a Dusty and they've got a couple other ones, I believe. So, yeah, interesting. So that fire that happened, did, um, did Dusty Bookshelf, did they, did they raise the building and rebuild exactly there or did the location change? The location is still the same. Um, and it's not like, because it's an older building, it's got the cement walls and everything. So it was able to kind of stay the same um and yeah yeah they were in the middle of remodeling when the fire happened so all the books were not actually in the store which was a good thing how amazing yeah how amazingly lucky they'd already emptied it out and they were in remodeling when the fire happened do they so what happened what do they know for sure what caused the fire um yes it was like an electrical sort of thing i think um i'm not a hundred percent sure because I think they keep it kind of discreet, but of course, yeah. pass the blame on anyone, of course. But <laughs> yeah, it was definitely an accidental thing. So, is there has in your time there? You've kind of been there for the for the kind of the bookstore refresh. Um, is a lot of gift, stationery, extra stuff sold, or is that really just kind of little extra stuff around the books? Have gifts become a bigger deal at the store, or is it still, it's just not the focus? They have really, actually. I've, I've ordered, especially around Christmas time and the holidays, yeah. we do sell a lot of puzzles. That's a big thing for us. Um, and just like, yeah, little gifty things like that. So, um, and then we, of course, have our merch. So we've got like, um, sweatshirts and all of that sort of stuff with our logo on it. And all of that stuff does sell pretty well. Do you, because you're in a bookstore all the time for your job, do you ever, if you travel anywhere or you go other places, do you try to go see what other bookstores are doing? Or you're like, look, I've seen enough bookstores. I know what they're doing. I don't need to go shop and check it out. Oh, I love, I love looking at bookstores, other places like to get inspiration. And we even like me and um, our owner, and a couple of my like assistant managers, we've gone to other bookstores together just a couple mm-hmm. times just to kind of like get ideas. And we're all got our phones out taking pictures of all the different covers of books that we want to order. So <laughs> it's really inspiring thing. It's not like a, I'm tired of this, but it's right. just fun to be able to take some ideas and bring them back here. Do you have a favorite section at the bookstore? And was it the favorite section you had Grow. I mean, obviously, probably you don't look at children's books as much, or or maybe you do. What's your favorite section now, and has it changed since you've been working there? 
Yeah, I was actually gonna say the children's section is probably my favorite just because I I we were able to kind of decorate it a little bit a long oh. time ago, and so I was able to help with that and get it all put together. So I have a lot of pride in the way that, that section looks. So that one's a fun one for me, um, and I just love looking at kids' books, even though I'm obviously too old for them. But yeah, it's it's just a fun thing. Yeah, very nostalgic. Do you have a section that growing up you always avoided, you never cared about? And is it the same one? Is there one now because you work there that's, I don't know, the most irritating to clean up, the most whatever? Yeah, um, all of us on the staff, I think we have maybe one person that would disagree with this, but okay. the history section is everybody's least favorite. Um, just because it's like broken down into so many different subcategories. And so you do your sorting and you find everything that needs to go into history. And then you have to resort everything to make sure these ones go in the World War II section and these ones go in the European history section. And it's just a lot to keep track of. And of course, all of those have to be alphabetized and yeah, it's a pain in the butt. <laughs> what is What was it like growing up? Did you grow, so you were you born and grow up in Manhattan? Yes, I am a townie, what we call a townie here. So I, I was born in Manhattan. I've been here my whole life. And I am, I'm actually moving to Chicago here in a month or so. So it's, wow. okay. yeah, this is kind of the end of the era. But yeah, I have been here my whole life. Could you tell me a little bit? Um, so I grew up in Southern California where, um, yeah, there are people who live in the suburbs, but it's all just one giant Los Angeles metroplex. And sure, some people have a chip on their shoulder because they don't live near the beach or some people are mad that they live in a certain town really far away from LA or whatever. But it's not the same thing as this kind of small town, college town thing between the townies and the college folks. Can you tell me I don't know. What is it like growing up as a townie? The good things, the bad things. What was it like growing up in Manhattan? Yeah, I, I love it here. I really do. It's, if anything, it's just like, it, it's a, it's a small town in the Midwest, you know, eventually it gets a little bit, a little bit old. <laughs> um, yeah, which makes sense. Um, but it's, there is some, kind of a sense of community around the fact that when the college students do come back, it's very much like, oh my gosh, there's so much traffic. And there's too many people everywhere and all the people that have been here their whole lives are like, Ugh, go back where you came from or whatever. So, yeah, but it, on the whole, I think it's a very loving community and we're all very welcoming to all of this new faces that we get to see come in. And there's lots of international students and that's really cool. Can I ask for you, what was the yearning? So as, as you grew up in that town, so you chose obvious outlet. Well, why wouldn't you, you, there's a university in town. You just go to the university. So if it's not too personal, why did you decide not to go to K-State? Cause it's right there. Right. Yeah. I did consider going to K-State. Um, it just, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So I was like, in a job that I really enjoyed. And that's really the only reason. I think if I had decided to go to school, I probably would have gone to K-State just because it was easy and my parents still live here. So, and I have friends here and all that sort of thing. And it's a great school. It's a really cool area. Um, but yeah, I just didn't really know what I wanted to study. So I just kind of held off and now I'm doing what I love already. So, yeah. So I will just tell you from the from the other side, um, I think that's brilliant because I think a lot of people that don't know what they want to do do decide just, look, everybody's going to college, so I have to do that too. Mm -hmm. And that is a massive time commitment and a massive financial commitment. And so, I don't know, I applaud you for saying, you can always, if you ever decide, yeah, you can always go to school when you want to, but when right. you don't know what you want to study, why go to school just because? 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. What were the things, what are things missing growing up in? So some of the benefits of having Kansas State there is as opposed to a normal small town in the Midwest, there's, there's culture, there's arts, there's international influences because people are coming from all over the world to come to the university. Um, there's opportunities to study, uh, even if you don't go to the school. So it's kind of an infusion of a lot of things. What are the things you feel like you missed? Cause it's a, that's a big change going from Manhattan to Chicago. What are the things you miss that you hope to get from going someplace a lot busier, a lot bigger? Yeah, I think I am. I'm really excited about the opportunity to have so many different things to explore, like food and museums and all of that sort of thing. Like, I know that's a pretty basic thing to say, but I, it's something that I feel like I missed out on. My family is not one that travels at all, so I have not seen very much of the world. Yeah. Um, and so I'm excited to have more options, things to like fill our evenings when we're free and just be able to just go to an art museum and like immerse myself in a different kind of culture. And I know Chicago has a lot of that. So that's the main appeal for me. Um, and I do love the tiny town life. I love the little Kansas town Midwest life, but it's, it's exciting to have like a polar opposite to that. Like you said, it's very, it's going to be very different and probably a culture shock for a while. Have you had a chance growing up where either visiting for work reasons or visiting for personal reasons where you did go to big cities and is this like a brand new adventure? Like, I kind of don't know what I'm getting into, or have you already been to Chicago or another big city? And you're like, I could live in a big city for a while. Yeah. I went to Chicago with my mom, um, a little while ago. I went, I think it's been two years now. We went for, we went to see Hamilton in Uh Chicago, which was super fun. Um, but yeah, that's, I, I really liked it and I enjoyed it. And my boyfriend and I, he does a lot of theater as do I. And so there's lots of opportunities to audition for shows and that sort of thing. That's the main reason that we chose Chicago over any other place. Was it, I feel like a lot of people, so I grew up in Southern California, tons of people are coming to California all the time. So it's very much, even though there's millions and millions of people who live there, the difference, there's always local Angelinos and people most of the, I feel like most of the people are immigrants. They come from either some other place in the world or they come from some other place in the country. So you never assume people have grown up there. In small t- in Kansas City, when I came here, the people who lived here generationally, there's people who've been here for two, three, four generations easily and have never left a hundred mile radius. And you find out the immigrants here to Kansas City are oftentimes from these small towns. So they leave a Manhattan and come to Kansas City or go to St. Louis. Did you ever, did you, was Chicago, obviously there's a lot more opportunity for auditioning. There's a lot more art museum and culture in Chicago, New York, LA. So that is a good place to get a bigger city. But did you think maybe I would go to the next midsize? I would, I'm just going to move to Kansas City or I'm just going to move to St. Louis. Yeah. Kansas City was big on our list. It was between Kansas City and Chicago. Okay. Um, And so eventually it just came down to like, if we're going to go, why not just like go big? Like, why not? We've been here for so long. Why not just shock everybody and just move super far away to a giant city? Um, and it's not really that far. It's only like a 10 hour drive. So it's nothing too crazy. But yeah, it is a huge adjustment for sure. What did what did friends and family think? Did they always know you kind of I mean, have they always known you're probably going to leave Manhattan at some point? Yeah, yeah. And I think everyone's been really supportive, especially at even here at Dusty, I think like telling all of the people here, like the owners here, 
they yeah. kind of knew that I was eventually going to want to go and they've been very supportive of that. And it's just, now it's just kind of getting everything ready for me to be able to, I am going to probably work a little bit remotely here still. Um, but it's been really cool to see how supportive they've been about this, even though it's kind of throwing a huge wrench in the operation here. Is what are all the things you have done like right now, what's kind of your entire menu of things you're responsible for there? And what are the, some of the things they think we think you could do some of that remotely? Yeah. Um, the main thing that I can probably do a little bit remotely, I'm going to not commit to too much, but um, <laughs> the main thing is probably book orders. I think I can, until they're able to find somebody who can take that over. Okay. That's something that you can easily do remotely because I can access the inventory remotely and whatever. Um, and so that's an easy one to switch over. Um, but my, my job description is I do, I handle a lot of used books. So I go through all the boxes of books that people bring in. I go through and offer the cash or store credit, decide what we're going to take. Um, I have, we have a book buyer slash assistant manager now, and he's been super helpful because I was doing all of that by myself and that was exhausting. Um, and so he's been really, really great. Um, and so we kind of tag team a lot of stuff now. Wait, so up um, until that assistant came in, you were the only person who was buying used books so that I look at the people who do that either. I don't care if it's at half price books or an independent place. They look like they've been through the war. They look like they have PTSD with <laughs> old books. It's a lot. It is a lot of work. Yeah. And I have had, there's been periods of time where I've had a book buyer. We had a book buyer for a okay. couple months, um, earlier last year. Um, but for, I think it's been like six or seven months now that I had been doing it by myself. Um, and also on top of all of that, I of course was doing all of our scheduling, all of the coffee ordering, all of the, um, new book ordering, all of, all of the management of the day-to-day -day stuff. So it was a lot, my job description was pretty extensive there for a minute. And so having, um, our book buyer come in and also take on some assistant manager stuff has been a huge game changer and he's been great. Is that the thing? What is the part of the job that did that as you leave, you're looking fondly and think of all the things you miss. Is there what's, is there a part of the job as a manager of used books or like, I'm happy. I won't have to do that every day. Mm. Um, I don't know. I feel like I'm going to miss most of it. Um, I am going into a, a kind of a management position in Chicago. I'll be doing kind of similar things uh -huh. um, just at a coffee shop, not a bookstore. Um, and I don't know, I'm definitely going to miss all of the used book side of things. There are sometimes that that whole thing gets monotonous though. So I would say on the whole, it'll probably be nice to have a break from going through because the stuff that some people bring in is ridiculous. I, I just, see it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The actual, like people just take stuff that's been in their attics for like 12 years and then bring it here and expect to get a bunch of money for it. And I'm not saying that's everybody, but there have been a couple batches of books like that and those get to be a lot to go through because you're just passing on everything, but you of course have to look at everything to make sure that you, there's nothing super exciting in there. So I would say probably going through used books, it'll be nice to have a break from that, but it's something that I'll miss eventually. All the, all the retail and customer service and financial experience you got at the dusty bookshelf. How did it help you get a job? So you're going to be managing a coffee shop. Is it in actual Chicago or is it like one of the Chicago suburbs areas? And did you do that remotely or did you go out to interview? How'd you get the gig? Yeah, I did that remotely. It was actually the first job that I interviewed for. Wow. Um, yeah, it was a very quick process. It was like I had a an hour long conversation with their manager over there and um, 
they had like offered me the job like a couple days after that. Um, it was a very easy process. I just, yeah, I think that having this experience, like two years of managing, being a general manager really helped me out. So I'm very, very thankful for this position in this place. Um, but I didn't, I, yeah, I just did a Zoom call and that was it. I didn't have to go in or anything. We are also like found an apartment virtually. So we haven't actually been to Chicago yet. So that'll be, that'll be a little bit intimidating, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, do you have any, do you have any cats or dogs that are going with you? Yeah, we have two cats that we're bringing with us. Okay. Uh, how did you, okay. You picked out an apartment virtually. Did that mm-hmm. seem to, is that just part of the adventure or you're like, this feels horrifying, but screw it. We're going to do it anyway. It's more of that second option. It's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely a little bit intimidating because you know, there's always the chance that they're scamming you. Um, sure. but we, it's, a lot more accessible now that COVID happened because there were so many people that weren't able to actually go and look at a place because so many apartment complexes weren't letting anyone in unless they were signing a lease or whatever. Yeah. So uh, definitely like apartment buildings, I feel like they've adapted to that really well. So it wasn't as scary now because I know that a lot of people have done it. And I, I messaged some friends that I knew had done the similar thing. And I was like, is this sketchy? Like, am I being crazy for doing this? And they were mostly like, if you look at reviews online and it's a big apartment complex and the reviews are okay and then not really, as long as you are able to like see the apartment face to face on a Zoom call, then it's fine. It wasn't, okay. So that's also, yeah, a place that's managed corporate or that's a big place with established management, as opposed to you didn't kind of go look for like, we have a loft in our, you know, condo or whatever and we're renting out a room you actually like no no we have just an apartment in a regular kind of complex nothing crazy yeah it's definitely nothing crazy just a little one bedroom Mm -hmm. how much of your management that you've learned there and how much of your management style that you're bringing to the coffee shop how much of it is focused on the customers and how much of it is focused on training and mentoring of staff coming in and out because i imagine at that used bookstore Students come in, students, of course, why would students are going to college? Lots of book lovers, they want to work at the used bookstore. So you're probably pulling seasonal workers all the time. So how much of your management was that was training, mentoring, and how much of it was kind of customer finance business stuff? Mm -hmm. I would say a very small portion of my job ends up being training um, because I've been really lucky to have a lot of people that pick up very quickly on stuff. And I also have, I've, kind of the way that I do training, I like to kind of delegate a lot of stuff to other team members to as kind of like a team building sort of exercise. Like if people that are peers are able to kind of show you the ropes on stuff and you can see how much they care about what they're doing and what they're showing you, like it makes the other, the newcomers kind of immediately want to put a little bit more effort in if they see that this is the standard that peers are working at. So I feel like I don't end up training all that much. I of course do all the coffee training and I show people how to be a barista and that sort of thing. But, (laughs) (laughs) but yeah, it's a very small portion. I definitely get to focus more on customers and the behind the scenes stuff. Was the, I mean, did you go looking for a job managing a coffee shop because you did like the coffee part of the kind of renovated dusty bookshelf a lot? Yes. I, that's probably my favorite part of working here. I love books of course, and that's been really fun. Um, but I think 
running the coffee side of things is even more fun. And I honestly just went looking for a barista job in Chicago just until I get settled. Yeah. Um, and this one just kind of popped up and I was like, why not? And um, it's not as I won't be the only manager there or anything by any means. So it's it's definitely less responsibility than this one, which will be nice. Um, but yeah, I just love coffee. So it's been fun. And I love the hustle and bustle of making a bunch of coffee all in a row and that sort of thing. So I'm excited to get to do that way more. Is there, have you always, what, what was it about? Is it, the, is it the coffee or the environment of just kind of working in a food kind of thing like that? I think it's, it's, I do love coffee. I'm a big okay. fan of coffee um, and I love <laughs> making coffee. It's really fun. But I think it's like the, it's almost like a mind game where you have to like figure out how to make the most of your time when you have to get stuff out really quickly and get stuff, check a bunch of boxes really quickly to get um, drinks out to people that is really exciting for me. And then also having to be like super engaging to customers and talk to customers while you're, it's the multitasking. I think, I think overall, that's what I really enjoy because it keeps my brain active and it's just an exciting thing. Where it sounds like you didn't have this problem. If you really got to love that at the, at the bookstore, the fact that you could just be firing all the time. And especially with the coffee stuff, like people come in, it's much faster than kind of sitting around waiting for people who are perusing books to just walk up to the register when was there, has there ever been a gap in there because of COVID or something else where you realize this about yourself? You're like, I really love being busy and this not being busy really sucks. Yes. I think any of the slow periods in the year that are like, okay. it's kind of dead. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this day is taking so long because I haven't been able to talk to people all day long. And that's what makes the days fly by is just engaging with people and helping people find books and that sort of thing. Did you like working at a used bookstore enough that as you think about, it's probably hard to say, but if you've ever kind of envisioned a future, 5, 10, 15, 20 years, you think, oh, I think I will go back into book retail or back into small business retail, or does it just feel like this wonderful kind of bubble of a job that, no, no, you kind of want to go off on all these new adventures? How are you thinking? About? I, think, I think eventually I will definitely want to come back to a job similar to this. Um, I... There's something very magical about bookstores, and I think that they're going to be around. I know you were saying like books aren't going anywhere, yeah. so as much as people say that they might, like I think coming back to a job similar to this someday is definitely something that I would love to do, or even running my own bookstore someday. I think that would be amazing. Um, it's just a really happy environment, and it's hard to be grumpy when you're surrounded by this much joy and knowledge. Um. Is there something, do you and your boyfriend already have like a must-do list of stuff in Chicago or are you going to just wing it when you get there? Um, I think we're mostly just going to wing it. <laughs> we have a couple things lined up, um, of course, jobs and stuff, but mostly we're just going just to go. We picked the place and then we were like, we're just going to make it work. So and we don't really have any like to-do list items yet. We're going to figure it out when we get there. That's the main plan. That's really cool. Um, I've never interviewed anybody about managing a coffee shop. So in a few months, I want to interview you again uh, once you're settled in your new coffee shop job and interview about what it's like managing just the coffee shop. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I would love that. Because <laughs> okay, I love coffee too. I go to coffee shops all the time, but you know. yeah. Yeah. That sounds awesome. Well, thank thank you very much for the time. This was really fun. Um, I got to ask yeah. you a ton of questions I've never got to ask somebody who. Uh, yeah, this I had a great time. This has been a great conversation.